Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Before I start, Jules was in the spirit because I'm a very practical person, so I want you to hold your wife's hand even while we speak. Because that's not done very often nowadays. If you're girlfriend and boyfriend, you can also do that. Singles, in the spirit, you just see him there. Next seminar, he is going to be there. Amen. Now, you know the theme is a marriage laced with grace. That's the theme tonight, a marriage laced with grace. And so just to introduce it, um, I just want to say that happy marriages don't just happen. They are worked at. But a marriage laced with grace gives you the advantage in that you don't strive in your own human sweat and effort to make it work, but it's the grace of God that empowers you to obey and uphold the principles that pertain to marriage. So, for example, when the Bible says, like Randolph says, husbands, love your wives, and wives, submit to your husband. Do you know that the grace of God to carry out that instruction is attached to that instruction? So it makes it very easy to obey. So grace, when your marriage is laced with grace, it makes the requirements and the commands that God has in in his word so easy to obey because grace is released for you to obey that very thing. And so because the theme is grace and a marriage laced with grace, I want to use the mnemonic G-R-A-C-E and give you some practical pointers uh, using that mnemonic. And when you apply these pointers I give you to your marriage, it will greatly enhance it as you grow together on this beautiful journey. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to ensure that there's no cracks and gaps in your marriage for the enemy to come in. So we're going to start off with G. The first uh, letter of the word grace is G. And G is growing together in God. So Randolph mentioned the spiritual aspect, so I just want to emphasize that that's key that you grow together. So while it's important to have family devotions with your children, share the word with them, pray together as a family, it's equally important for you as a couple to pray together alone. To pray, even to hold hands, to take turns praying, to choose a day and say, hey, honey, we're going to fast on Tuesday or we're going to fast on Thursday. To read the word together. It's very important to read the word together. You know why? You both need to grow at the same pace spiritually. We don't want you lagging behind. Because we're made up of body, soul, and spirit, all three are equal. All three are equally important to grow and be whole in. And so uh, we want you to grow at the same pace spiritually and not to lag behind. And so it's vitally important, these private times of prayer, uh, strengthening your spirit, man, because remember we said when you face that, box that icebreaker that we did it's only God and the spirits of God and the grace of God that's going to help you overcome and push through so you need your spirit man strong the R the R there's two aspects R stands for romance and so romance is extremely important in marriage and there's two subheadings I want to do firstly never stop dating Continue to do the things that you did before marriage. And that's one of the secrets of our marriage. Marriage In September, we'll be married for 26 years. 
We have four wonderful children. And while we enjoy family outings, and that's critically important to go out as a family, to spend quality family time together, strengthening bonds, having fun and laughter and interaction. We just love that. We love adventure as a family. We're always hiking. We're always doing activities. On Wednesday, we went bike riding from the stadium to Ushaka. We love that, and it's beautiful because it strengthens your bond, and it's quality time spent with your children. But equally, it's important to spend private and alone time with each other. You must deliberately make time to date. Because um, in the busy life, you know that we have a busy life with uh, long hours. You, you work long hours. There's household commitments like budgeting, house maintenance, fixing the tap, sorting out the globe. And then there's school projects, helping the children with homework. Life just goes on and on with busyness and hectic schedules. So that is why you have to deliberately make the time to date. Dating is a time where you refuel and reconnect. So not that you're disconnected, it's just that because of so much activity that's part of family life, it's just a time where you refuel. You know like when your petrol tank gets empty, you have to go to the petrol station to fill it up. So that dating is like a top-up. It's a refueling and a reconnection. And you know, a dating can be anything. No one can prescribe to you. You can use your imagination and be unique, but some examples are you can take your partner out to a movie, you can do a supper together, you can do a sport together, a recreation together, and um, you can even go walking on the beach, eating ice creams. A date doesn't have to be expensive, because I know some people say, it's too expensive, I don't have money to go to a movie or to take my partner out to supper. Then you know what? Take a walk on the beach. I don't know if you remember the three rand steers ice cream and KFC ice creams. <laughs> In the early days, we used to do that when budgets were low. Beach is free, there's no entry fee, and you go buy a three rand uh, ice cream. And if you feel, but you know what, I still need petrol to get to the beach, then have a picnic in your backyard with homemade sandwiches. You know what, it's very doable. A date is very doable. You don't have to do anything expensive. The main thing is that you are doing it together. You are spending precious moments together, reconnecting and refueling. So you can be uh, creative and use your own imagination, but it's, it's important for you to deliberately make time. Never stop dating, no matter how many years have gone by in your marriage. Secondly, under romance, sexual intimacy is very important and healthy in a marriage. Right? Sex is actually a beautiful thing ordained by God, but the key word is in marriage. And it's not just for sensual gratification, but it sustains oneness. Because in the act, there is total abandonment and giving of yourself to each other. So it depicts a life totally given to each other in the sexual act. The physical healing of yourself in your body to your spouse is indicative of and means a means through which oneness and joining on an emotional and spiritual level is expressed. So that means when you joined on an emotional level and on a spiritual level, the natural outflow is a physical expression. So it's so beautiful because that's why we say marriage is the highest level of uh, covenant because it's connection in body, soul, and in spirit. And just one caution, never withhold sexual intimacy as a means of punishment. You know, sometimes you have a fight or argument, and so there's a withholding, like, I'm going to punish my spouse. Never do that. You know why? You create the environment for temptation. 
if you have violated boundary lines and that, there is love and mercy and forgiveness in God. You are not condemned. You are not judged. The Father God we serve is so loving and he always gives us um, second chances. And so R is very important in marriage, the romance. A stands for affirmation, admiration, and attention. So now I just want to address the woman. Woman, please understand that your men need affirmation and admiration. Never belittle them. Wives, you must honor your husband, respect him, compliment him, admire him, despite any shortcomings he may have. Never, ever compare your husband to somebody else's husband. Never, ever do that. Don't make him feel like a failure because he cannot afford the house or car that you would like to have. Never do that. But never, ever belittle him and make him feel like a failure just because he cannot afford what you want at that point in time. Brag about him in a positive sense as opposed to criticizing him or correcting him publicly. Never ever correct or criticize your husband publicly. If you're in a, a public gathering and maybe there's something he said that you didn't really like or didn't make you feel too good, wait for you to get home to your bedroom and then say, you know what, I really didn't feel good when you said that. Please don't say it again or I didn't like it, I felt quite embarrassed. So it's okay to address it, but just don't criticize and do it publicly. And you know why sometimes we're guilty of this? If uh, your husband is telling a story and he says, we got home at 3 o'clock, then you interject, no, actually it was half past 2, right? Or you say, um, he's telling a story and all around the campfire, lots of people present, and he says, no, we arrived, what, when did you arrive in Cape Town? Oh, we arrived um, uh, Sunday afternoon. Then the wife, no, 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 it was actually Sunday morning, okay? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if he gets the time wrong or the date wrong. You know, it's little things. There's a whole other session about the configuration of a man and a woman and how we're so different. And when you come to that understanding, like for example, women love detail and men just love the punchline. So when you understand that, you'll never call your wife a nag again because you'll understand about the detail a woman needs to know. And likewise, a uh, woman, you'll also understand when you're forcing him to talk. It's like, Take the pressure off when you understand. So that's a whole nother session, but um, never ever correct or interject, even if it's the wrong thing. You always encourage him, compliment him, obey him. When God says submit to your husband, remember, grace attends that instruction for you to do it. Anything God requires of us. Many people say it's hard. It's not hard because grace attends that instruction which enables you to do that thing. Okay? Now men... While we're saying the ladies must admire and affirm you, also be admirable in that don't sit on the couch the whole day watching TV. You didn't have a shower. You didn't shave. Uh, you're not bothering to change. The house is falling apart. The tap is leaking. You're out with friends. You also have to play your part as well. Amen? And now to the men. Men, understand that women need attention. Attention is... Very big to a woman. And like Randolph said earlier, to a woman, little things matter significantly to a, a lady. A goodbye kiss, a hello kiss, a phone call, an SMS saying how much you're missing her that day. A hug, a cuddle. You have to meet her emotional needs. It's small little things that matter to a lady. When you arrive home from work, 
maybe initially when you were newlyweds, you couldn't wait. You are speeding. You're getting speeding fines because you can't wait to get home to your, your wife. But now, as time goes by, when you rush home, you enter the house, you rush to pet the dog first. Or you go to the kitchen and you open the pot. What's for supper? I'm starving. And then lastly, oh, hello. You know, like the, it changes a bit. So just know that a, a simple thing like that means so much to your wife. It's that attention she needs, that personal touch, the hug, the cuddle, the phone call, the SMS. And I remember when I was still at work and I'm mean, having a hectic day. Joanne will know the hectic days we had at month end. And then I just get a ping and a big heart. Love you, missing you, thinking of you. I remember once Luke, Luke is now, will be 15 shortly. But when Luke was six and Randolph was out of the country and we always message, I love you, I love you more, hugs, kisses. And he just happened to come and sit on my lap and he's seeing these hugs and kisses. And he says, Mom, are you still boyfriend and girlfriend? <laughs> and so we said, oh, Luke, you know we're married, you've seen wedding pictures. And then he says, but then how come you always say I love you, you're holding hands, dad plays with your hair, and you're 101 times saying I love you with hearts and hugs. How come? Because like in his six-year-old mind, it's like he's never seen married people do it, only courting couples. So that's why he had to check, did you get married? Because you're carrying on like boyfriend and girlfriend. So we need to see that more in marriage because that should be normal in marriage, that, that affection and um, just the practical uh, part of it. And also, um, women apprise attention from their husbands more than a fancy house or a diamond ring. Did you know that? Personal attention, if you put it on a scale and say, do you want that personal attention from your husband or a diamond ring? They would say uh, attention. Not that we're going to say no thank you to the diamond <laughs> ring. But it's just that uh, that's how it, it's valued to a woman. Husbands continue to compliment her on a new outfit. She has a new hairdo. Don't wait for her to ask, did you notice I have a new dress on? Did you notice I cut my hair last week? Okay, uh, compliments her, pay attention to little things because it means, like I'm saying, a woman is very easy to please because little things mean so much. She's dying for you to notice first. Now, ladies also work at getting attention. Don't keep your rollers and curlers on the whole day or for those that know about the stocking, your head's in a swirl the whole day. Or you clean up, you wear your nightie from the morning till the night you didn't change out of your nightie. Okay? Freshen up when you know he's about to arrive home. So there's also a part you've got to play. So while the man plays a part, there's also a part we have to play as ladies. And then we go on to C. C is very important, communication. In order for marriages to grow and blossom and bear fruit, effective communication is very important. That's why we did that uh, icebreaker. Silence is damaging to a, re a relationship, very damaging. And you know, many people think the absence of arguments and fighting, it does not necessarily indicate all as well. Some people avoid arguments just because they want to avoid confrontation. So it doesn't mean all as well when there's no fights or arguments. And so why I say silence is damaging is that um, there was, it was said once of a couple that um, they had a heated argument. And you know, like sometimes when you initially argue, it's like, I'm not going to be the one to talk first. They must say sorry. And both think that way. And so you sulk a little bit and you play hard to get. Both of you do that. And then there's silent treatment. And so that's the whole argument they had. And so the wife, the husband now, the next morning he had a 
flight to catch at five o'clock. He was going to um, flight was yeah to get up at five to catch a flight, a very important job assignment. So now he was very, he could never hear his alarm. He always needed his wife's assistance to wake him up, and so he didn't want to be the first one to break the ice because he felt she must come to me first. You know she was wrong, so he wrote it on a piece of paper. Please me wake me up at five in the morning. It could cost me my job if you don't. And he puts it on a pillow full of pride. I will not talk first. I'll write her a note. The next morning came. He woke up, got a shock when it was nine o'clock. And he was angry because he wrote the note to his wife and she didn't wake him up and he could have lost his job. It was a very important assignment. So he got out of bed saying, I, I'm going to tell her off even better. And as he got off, a little piece of paper dropped off his pillow that said, it's five o'clock, wake up. <laughs> so what she did, tit for tat. You don't want to talk to me, you want to write letters? I'll do the same, and he missed his plane. So uh, it's very damaging. And do you know what? When you talk it out, you get it out. Many couples keep things in, especially the ladies sometimes, or the men. Like you just feel, if I talk about it, it's going to open a can of worms. Let me keep it in. But you need to talk it out to get it out. Talk about your feelings, your emotions, your fears, your dreams. But also learn to listen. As much as you need to talk, you also need to listen to what the other one is saying. Agree to disagree. Because you're not always going to agree. And agree to be vulnerable, but just be transparent at all times. There's many times you can differ. But do you know, uh, somebody once said, we say compatibility means you're marrying somebody, you're so compatible, you have so much in common. Compatibility doesn't mean you have all things in common. It means with your differences, you're able to adjust and live harmoniously. And so being different, if one likes chicken and one loves seafood, one hates um, swimming and one just loves water, doesn't mean that's reason for divorce. It's very workable when you talk and communicate and you can meet each, meet each other halfway. Okay, so when you talk about things and let everything out, we must reach a place in our marriage when we feel comfortable to put things on the table and discuss problems no matter how bad it is with the end view of resolving the issues at hand. Now sometimes husbands, because husbands and males in general sort of don't like to talk about too much detail. When the wife says, Let's talk. Sometimes the husband feels that's a form of torture. Let's talk. And so do you know what he does? When he doesn't want to talk, the wife interprets this as though he lost interest in her and he doesn't love her anymore. Then she panics. She becomes needy and she's controlling and she's literally forcing him to talk. This puts pressure on the poor husband and then he starts to withdraw. He finds excuses to avoid spending time with her not because he doesn't love her, but because he feels hey, it's less pressure. She just wants to talk all the time. It's less pressure, so he avoids spending time with her. Then the wife starts feeling inadequate. She starts feeling insecure. Before long, you start moving in different directions and you become strangers. All because the communication channel is blocked. So it's vital and key to talk. If your opinions differ on an issue, it's okay. Just agree that you may disagree, no reason to, find, to fight, and find common ground and resolve the matter. Because you will disagree, but agree that there's some things you're not going to agree on and say, that's okay, let's thrash it out to, and find a middle ground and resolve the matter. 
And communication is a two-way street. Both of you must, it's not just the one, and many people say, well, you know, she's the talker in the family or he's the talker. It's a two-way street. But there's also one thing that comes under communication. Remember that lies have long-term consequences where trust is concerned. So honesty is vital. Honesty is not only speaking the truth, but sharing information which your spouse needs to know. So sometimes, you know, when there's a hi history of lies, trust is broken. And it's so easy. It takes a second to break trust, but it can take a lifetime to rebuild trust. And so remember, if you have a history of lying in the past, honesty is vital. And also, it's not just about speaking the truth, but it's also about sharing information which your spouse needs to know. So for example, if I dented the car, so I'm not lying to him if I say, uh, you know, I don't have to say anything. That doesn't mean I'm lying to him. But by keeping the information from him, if he knows I dented the car, he's going to be angry, let me not tell him and just go to the panel beater. Keep withholding information means you're not fully transparent and honest. And if he finds out six months down the line, when he finds out, oh, you didn't tell him something straight away, so what else haven't you told me? So it's room for an argument. So that is why the smallest of things, you could meet someone at a wedding or a funeral and maybe you withheld some information and two years later at a wedding or a function, they say, is that guy at work still bothering you or that uh, lady still bothering you and your spouse hears, it's like, you didn't tell me about that? And you may say, I didn't want you to worry. It was nothing to worry. It's small little things that can be the start of the breakdown in marriages. We know that because we've counseled so many people and sometimes when you trace it back as to where it started, it was so small, but left undealt with and it grew and grew. And so where there has been previous lies, betrayal, deception, extramarital affairs, remember forgiveness is key for healing and repair to take place. Forgiveness is key. But also the party who has violated trust must also try to rebuild trust by being loving and by even applying the points we shared. We spoke about growing together spiritually. We spoke about romance and dating, communication. And so if you're the guilty party, don't just say she's not forgiving me she, or he's not forgiving me. Also work at, give, arrange a date, go out, give your spouse personal attention, hug them, love them, tell them how much they mean to you. And so work at rebuilding the trust. Don't just say, I'm sorry, forgive me, and leave it as that. So you've also got a part to play in rebuilding the trust. And remember, true repentance means you don't go back and do the same thing. When you say you're sorry for what you've done, you failed in that area, the spouse must be merciful. Like God is a God of love and mercy and forgiveness, we must be quick to forgive. Sometimes the hurt and pain is there, but as you forgive and just act in love, you'll be amazed at how you will heal so quickly. So when you're truly sorry for something, it means, I will never do that again. Don't go back and do that again. Even Jesus said in the Bible, go and sin no more. But when you do it again and again, you're really breaking down the trust where it ends in the divorce course because then the spouse feels, you said you're not going to do it and you've done it and it's again. So there's no trust at all. So we must rebuild trust. Where trust has been broken, you must work quickly to rebuild trust. And then just as an aside, if you do need intervention with marriage counseling, because sometimes it's necessary where the situation can be so intense, you need a third party to arbitrate, then I want to encourage you to choose a counselor who is spiritual, 
who, who applies the standard of the word and will direct you with what God has to say on it, who is mature, who can maintain confidence where you don't want your private issues to be known by everyone the next day, and also choose somebody that's objective. Don't choose a cousin to counsel and then if he disagrees with you on something, the partner will say, you see, it's your cousin, that's why. Or you see, it's your sister. So try and choose somebody that's uh, spiritual, mature, maintains confidence and is objective. And lastly, E. E means express yourself. You have to express yourself. Daily verbalize your love. Don't let a day go by without saying, I love you. You've got to tell your partner every single day, like you must tell your children, I love you. If you're talking, even if it's about, I forgot my purse at home and you phone it, okay then, love you, bye. Always say, I love you. Express appreciations for meals. Lots of times go into preparing meals, just showing some gratitude, saying thank you when something is done for you or given to you. Sometimes we even say, oh honey, uh, just pass me the remote please. And you get it, and you know, I don't have to say thank you, you're my husband or my wife. No, you must always just be, you know, express gratitude, express love. If your spouse has a new shirt or a new dress, say how handsome he looks, ladies. And ladies, uh, men, say how beautiful she looks. Even though you may think, oh, that color looks nice on them, express it. It's good to express what you're feeling on the inside. Send that message during the day saying how you can't wait to see her or how you're missing her. Or how much you love it. It takes a second. And you know, if you really got no time to type and you don't have that word, just send a hug. A hug. Randolph and I sometimes, you'll see a million hearts and hugs. You just scroll and it goes down and down. It's just so easy. But you know, it does something. When I get that, missing you, love you. You can go away for six months. It's like, but I know he loves me. He's thinking about me. Even if he expressly brings home, because I am a chocolate addict, and he brings home a chocolate, even if it's a Adrian bar one or a, a text or something, the fact that he gave it, it's so special to me. It's like a million dollars because it means he thought about me, he took the time to stop the car, run into the shop and buy it. It makes me feel good. So it's those small little things uh, that really enhance your marriage and, and make the person feel loved. So hug more. Cuddle more, hold hands more. Always when you say goodbye and hello, try and have that habit of hugging and kissing. Even if you're rushing, you know, and you're really missing the bus, then blow a kiss or something, but really uh, be tender, nourish, always put your arm around him or her. Admit you're wrong. When you're wrong, and you know what? We can't sulk forever. Somebody has to break the ice and say, you know what? I did say something I shouldn't have said. I'm so sorry. And do you know what? The makeup after that is so good because sometimes you're sulking. And I remember once we really had an argument, you know, a few years ago. And we were, I was like, I'm not going to be first. And he's, I'm not going to be first. And by the time we just said, you know what, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And the other one said, you're sorry, which you didn't expect it. And then you both saying you're sorry and you're hugging and you're holding. Then we said, what fools we are. Four days went by, we didn't speak to each other. And now we're like, how we wasted four days of our lives, you know? So just be the first one because once you say sorry and you hug and kiss and make up, it's all gone and forgotten. But you must express it. And sometimes, you know, a wife uh, will say, my husband doesn't tell me enough how much he loves me. And then he says, but you know I love you? I bought you that thing you wanted last week. I bought you a car for your birthday. You know it. I go out, I work, I work late shift, all for you. You know it. 
She knows it, but she still needs to hear it. And likewise, the man that also works hard, and the man also does a lot. He's the priest of your home. We must honor him at all times. Give him that hug. Give him that cuddle. And you know, also, um, when you affirm, I remember uh, once I couldn't open a jar. It was peanut butter or something. And uh, I, I really couldn't. So I said, Renoff, I need your big muscles here to open this jar. And he went and he opened and I said, what will I do without you? Those muscles that can open this jar and that. You know what it did? A simple thing. That's when you affirm your husband and admire him. It was a simple thing. There was no audience. And I said, hey, what can I do without you when you go away? These mu- I don't have the muscles to help me. And you know what he started doing? He started flexing his muscles. <laughs> he started saying, hey, feel how hard they are. Feel how hard. And he started going. And you know what? It was a simple thing. So that is why uh, wives, when your husband fixes that tap that was leaking, say, wow, you are my superman. What would I do without you? You know? And in little things, he changed the globe. He asked him, don't make it dreary and dull and boring. You never fix the tap. You never change this. You, the, this needs attention. You, you know, you, you can, it can be so, he'll delight. The next time you tell him to do something, he'll skip and run. Tell me where it is. Because of your manner and because of your attitude. And so that's why marriage is so workable. People say it's hard, you can't. But grace part of your marriage. It really is. You can, you can go so far. And then remember, express forgiveness and keep your heart open and transparent at all times. Transparency is very important, even if you did something wrong. And you're twisting and turning about it. You know what? Just be open and confess and admit it. You'd be surprised at how quick the spouse is even willing to forgive because you were quite open. And that's already the start of building trust. The fact that you admitted what you did. That's already point number one in rebuilding the trust. And so before I conclude, that's the mnemonic of grace. And if you apply that, your marriage will grow from strength to strength. But to the singles, I just want to also say to you, before I conclude, I have a mnemonic for the singles too, and it's the word single. But before I get there, first and foremost, the word single is not a victim status. Many people, when you ask them, Uh, Are you in a relationship? Are you dating or are you courting? And the person really is single. They cringe. They feel embarrassed. They feel awkward. It's like they're asking the dreaded question because there's no partner. I want you to know it's not a victim status. Like marital status is married, widowed, divorced, and then single. doesn't mean you're a victim of anything. You are complete in Christ. You need to know you are complete in Christ. You do not need a partner to complete you. So now what I just want to distinguish here is that within marriage, a couple completes each other because the Bible says the two become one. The two become one. And so what you need to do is uh, you complete each other, you lose your sense of independence, and a couple's identity is complementary because the two become one in the marriage union. So there you can say, my husband compliments me, Ranoff completes me, because the two have become one. But when you are still single, you are still complete in Christ, and your sufficiency is Christ. Your sufficiency is Christ. And so the mnemonic for single, S means, seek the kingdom first continually. Now you know there's the verse that says, seek the kingdom first, and all these things will be added to you. It means, if you're desiring a good job, or family, or you have dreams and goals, 
Seek the kingdom first. Place God first in everything and those things will be added to you. So I'm saying seek the kingdom first continually. All other seeking is secondary. Don't let impatience change the order. Because sometimes impatience can change the order in that you say, I'm seeking the kingdom, there's no one. I'm seeking the kingdom, no one in view. Okay, I'm seeking the man or I'm, seek, I'm going out to seek my, my, the man or the, the lady. And so now you're normally seeking the kingdom, you realize, let me change the order, but don't change the order. Just continue to do, to seek God first and it will happen. Prioritize God's will and his word. The I means be influenced by the spirit, not by other voices. Now, when you are single, you're going to get many people coming to you to say, hey, I've got a cousin, a second cousin in Dundee that will just suit you perfectly. And uh, can I organize this? So it's fine if somebody wants to introduce you to someone. That's fine. But don't just be influenced by voices where they say, I think that's your partner. And it's really not. They just want to get you hooked up with somebody that asked them a favor or something. So... Be open to data, to meeting people, to being introduced to people, but be influenced by the Spirit always. Allow the Spirit to lead you and guide you. The in, nullify thoughts of inadequacy. You are not inadequate in any way. Nullify those thoughts. You are not less than in, ever, uh, in any respect. And the in also means never give up on finding somebody. As you're getting older, you're getting to 35, 40, even 45, and no one is coming, never give up. That person will come. G, graceful. Be graceful. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor. Another word for favor is grace. You f obtain grace from God. So be full of grace. So by the time he finds you, you are a source of grace to him. So be graceful. So don't wait for your partner to be full of grace, fill yourself with grace. And you know, grace comes through the word of God, grow in grace. And so by the time you find him, God says, when you find a wife, you find a good thing. So when he finds you, he's already found favor and you will be a source of grace to him. The L is for love unconditionally. Why I'm saying that is that don't allow bitterness to settle. There are many single people that as they get older, and their personality changes because they feel it's not going to happen. But you just love unconditionally, even if you've been hurt in the past. Marriage is all about love, so be a loving person. Because marriage is all about the mutual exchange of love between two people. So if you desire marriage, you have to embody love even before you meet the person. So love always, love unconditionally. And lastly, the E. The E means be equally yoked. You must be on the same page spiritually. You know, there's that thing, don't go fishing in, don't go shopping in Babylon. Okay, we don't use the methods there. Don't compromise your standards or drop, uh, don't compromise your values or drop your standards. Because sometimes single people, I've heard them say, time is running out, my biological clock is ticking, I'm just going to settle for anyone now. Whatever, I'm, I'm willing to compromise, whether his values are, not really good values. At the end of the day, I just want a partner. Please do not do that. Don't compromise. You'll see the reward of waiting. And so, uh, to round off with the singles, Ecclesiastes 3, if you can just meditate on that. 
Ecclesiastics 3 says there is a season and a time for everything. So I want to encourage you, young lady and young man, wait for God's perfect timing. It will happen. You will meet the right one at the right time. Remember, God's also preparing that partner. If you want to jump the gun and you want him prematurely, you're going to get somebody very dysfunctional. So allow God to do with that person and mold them and perfect them until they're ready to present to you. Don't try and uh, uh, jump the gun. And also remember one thing. Age is just a number. So do not worry about age and getting older. Remember, joy and happiness at a later stage outweighs the suffering of the wrong choice at an earlier age. So you rather wait and be older but be blissfully joyful and happy because you found and you waited for the right partner than to endure suffering because of the wrong choice you made because you wanted to make the choice at an early age because age mattered to you. So don't let age, age is just a number. Wait for the right one and it's going to happen soon. We declared it's going to happen soon. In conclusion, for the marriages, I want to say marriage is a beautiful, blissful, fulfilling experience that's ordained by God. No marriage is perfect, including ours. When challenges do arise, which they will, the beauty is that you face them together and overcome as a team because of the divine enablement called grace. So when people say it's hard, it's not hard. If you allow the grace of God to permeate your marriage, you can face challenges together as one, as a team, you can overcome. And like that icebreaker indicated, we'll see the fruits and the uh, fruit, fruitfulness and productivity in your life. We know that divorce statistics are ri rising even within the church and without the outside the church. We can defy divorce statistics and showcase to the world that with Christ Jesus as a foundation, our marriage will remain fixed, secure, happy, and fulfilled. And the Bible says the kingdom is ever increasing. And so that means if you are strong today, tomorrow you can be stronger. You can grow from strength to strength. There's no capped limit. The level of grace you have as you increase in the word, you grow from grace to grace. The level of faith you have, you can grow from faith to faith. So it means you grow from glory to glory, grace to grace, strength to strength, faith to faith. Because the kingdom of God is ever increasing. There's never a capped limit. And so too, our love for each other must be ever increasing with age. Amen. And so at this time, we just want to seal what's been shared with you. And we're going to pray for marriages that God takes the marriage, whatever level you are at now, God takes it to the next level. And even if you're facing challenges, that God gives you wisdom, uh, you know, and how to deal with it and to get healing and repair in that area. And then we're going to pray for the single people. We just want to make a declaration that uh, their partners will be coming soon and that, uh, you know, God is preparing, they will be coming soon. And then for the couples here that have been trying to uh, get children, we believe the anointing is even here for fertility and productivity. And so if you're trusting God for a child and, uh, you know, uh, nothing has happened yet, you're in the right environment, we're also going to pray for you. Amen.